time for New Zealand sporting history. And joining me today, someone who's been called New Zealand's favourite Australian. The Kiwis, innovative in their design, intense in their focus, resilient throughout the time here in Bermuda. The New Zealanders paddling into the history books. The trophy belongs to New Zealand. Yeah, Glenn Ashby has 17 world championships to his name, an Olympic silver medal and three America's Cup titles. And he has generously agreed to spend some time with us from Australia to remember our historic win of the America's Cup in 2017. Hi there, Glenn. G'day, Jesse. How are you? Oh, I'm really good, thanks. And I say our historic win. I'm, I'm talking about the New Zealand win, of course. Do, do you always feel like you're on a New Zealand boat and representing the country of New Zealand? Absolutely, 100%. Um, you know, our you know sort of ties with New Zealand have been you know quite quite long and um you know having my my daughters grow up there and spending a lot of time there it's it's really become our you know second home and you know it's um you know sort of it's uh whilst we're back here in Australia at the moment it's um you know the the, the girls are, are definitely uh you know missing their friends and we feel sort of t- you know torn in a way that we're we're sort of not there at the moment but it's um you know, it's been a great part of our life and certainly been a, a long part of, uh, of our family history being over Yes, there. well, we're very pleased that you spent some time uh, racing for our country and in our country. We'll talk more about the 2017 America's Cup, but tell us a bit about your history. You got into sailing young, although I can't help noticing you grew up in a landlocked part of Australia. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I did. I, I literally grew up um, you know, in central Victoria, which was about... 200 kilometres from from the nearest salt water um, down in Melbourne, and yeah, really grew up sort of uh, out at our local lake. Uh, my mum uh, got my dad into sailing actually um, when she was younger. She started sailing when she was about 14, and met my dad in Melbourne, and they moved from Melbourne up to, to Bendigo for a bit of a country sort of lifestyle change. And yeah, yeah, grew up sort of sailing at the lake, and um, didn't sail on the, the the sea until I was about 10 years old. But um, yeah, once that sort of uh, first regatta that I did, um, you know, I was a 10-year-old on the on the sea. I sort of fell in love with it and wanted to do more of it, and that's sort of been my life ever since. Was there plenty of wind on the local lake? Not a lot, to be honest. <laughs> a lot of the time it was uh, quite light and shifty. But, um, look, we did have some, some good breeze there. And, you know, growing up as a kid, you know, we were pretty lucky because we, we sort of had the lake and, you know, um, we had sort of other activities, you know, around that, a lot of, lot of sort of BMX riding, mountain yeah. biking, motorbike riding, football, cricket, uh, all that sort of thing. So sailing was just one of the many sports I was sort of doing as a, as a youngster. And, and as I got a little bit older into my mid-teens, sort of got more and more involved with sailing and sort of some of those other sports sort of had to fall by the wayside because you just simply didn't have enough days in the weekend to, to sure. do your weekend sport. and eventually um, sailing one out out of all those other sports. And, um, yeah, hopefully it was the right decision. <laughs> How did um, multi-holes become your thing? Yeah, look, I've always enjoyed sort of going fast, I guess, on, on land and, and water on, on different uh, vehicles and boats. And my dad actually had a, a catamaran um, when I was probably about seven or eight years old. And I remember going out for a little sail with him one day and, you know, sitting on the side of the boat and a little bit of a gust of wind came along and we lifted up onto one hull and, you know, everything went quiet and we were above the water and the, the boat was just, you know, slicing through the through the lake. And I remember going, 
wow, this is this is epic. This is this is what I want to do in the future. And um, that sort of feeling when I was a seven or eight year old really is sort of carried through. And I, I got my first catamaran myself when I was thirteen, a paper tiger catamaran, which was actually designed in New Zealand. And did um, yeah, my first ever sort of overseas regatta in Tor Bay, actually in uh, nineteen ninety five, as the hmm. uh, the team captain for the Australians um, for the Paper Tiger Inter Inter Dominion Championship. So that early days in catamaran sailing really, um, you know, it was really inspiring and sort of led on to uh, bigger and better things down the track. Uh, uh, does the America's Cup loom large when you're a young sailor? Is it is it always there in your in the back of your mind? Yeah, look, it really is. I think the memory that I first have of the America's Cup was when I was six years old and having mum come and wake me up uh, at about 4.30 in the morning and say, you've got to come and look at this, you've got to come and look at this. And yeah. It was when um, uh, John Bertrand and the rest of the Australia 2 crew uh, managed to win the 1983 oh, America's Cup um, yeah. in Newport, Rhode Island. and. Yeah, look, it was, um, you know, just that sort of, uh, you know, the buy-in from Australia as a country and, and to actually take the America's Cup, you know, off the Americans that, that had had it for, held it for so long was, you know, a, a huge thing. And I think, you know, certainly Australia embraced that. And myself as a, as a young kid, as a six-year-old, sort of seeing the, the, the power of the the old mug that the America's Cup and what it could sort of do for, for a country and, and what it could do for sport was was quite inspiring. And whilst the rest of my sort of, you know, growing up as a kid and sort of through those teenage years, I wasn't really ever sort of dreaming or focusing on the America's Cup side of things. I was focusing on my sailing and, and ultimately one day wanting to, to be an Olympian. And that sort of, I guess, opened the door um, after sort of being involved 20-odd years later with the Olympics to then have the opportunity to be involved with uh, an America's Cup team. So it's funny how the, uh, the path wanders along. Yeah, that's right. In those early days of um, New Southern catamarans, you probably wouldn't have thought that they would get you to the America's Cup. But was it 2010, the first um, the first multi-hull America's Cup? Yeah, look, it, it, it was, I guess. There has been a multi-hull involved in, in the previous America's Cup. Oh, we remember. We'll remember that one yeah. as well. <laughs> it was Stars and Stripes, was, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> Correct. Yeah, and that um, you know that was a, a funny, funny old event. <laughs> and I guess, in in actual fact, the you know the two thousand and ten deed of gift match between uh, BMW Oracle on the big trimaran and and the Alinghi, uh five Swiss catamaran, um, you know that was a pretty unique deed of gift match that was you know pretty unprecedented. And I think from the America's Cup in two thousand and seven in in the version five boats where there was a lot of teams to so then going you know, um, into a format of a deed of gift match, um, you know, a little bit out of the ordinary. Um, however, after finishing the uh, Olympic competition in, in Beijing, um, sailing the Tornado Catamaran, which was actually the last Olympics that the uh, the Tornado Catamaran was involved, mm. um, we, um, yeah, I was lucky enough to get a, a, an opportunity to, to go and do some sailing and some coaching and join uh, BMW Oracle as sort of as a, I guess, as a multi-hull specialist. And yeah. that door opening I guess was um, yeah one that you know was pretty unique because it was a different format than what the America's Cup had previously been in for the last sort of few iterations and it was a completely new 
development curve and development wheel and you know everybody that was involved in those both those programs were coming from monohull backgrounds and um yeah. you know it was a really big learning curve and something that was yeah sort of set the scene i guess for the for the america's cups in the future did, did you get shoulder tap for oracle team usa for that 2010 did someone just give you a call and say hey mate have i got a job for you yeah look they they, they did actually it was um yeah the Another fellow Kiwi uh, over there of you guys, Russell Coots, uh, <laughs> gave me a ring, oh, yeah. uh, as well as uh, Jimmy Spithill, and, and sort of uh, you know asked whether I'd be able to come and you know spend some time with the guys and do some coaching. And they had some uh, a few people sort of coming to help them out. But um, after the week that I was there with them, um, yeah, they were sort of quite keen to to get me back and spend some more time um, both on the water and sort of in the coaching role, sort of upskilling you know the guys into sort of fast high-performance multi-holes, which was, you know, a great opportunity for me. It was certainly something very different um, compared to what we were doing with the Olympic campaign. But the fundamentals were all basically the same. The physics was all the same, just on a, on a much bigger scale. So yeah. um, it was a great opportunity to, to you know, um, dab your toe in the water of an America's Cup program, albeit being a, a very different one than, than what's the norm, so to speak. So... So you sailed for Oracle Team USA in 2010. You won against the Swiss. Then in 2013, you sail against Oracle with Team New Zealand. To a lot of people, that'll sound quite mercenary. Is it like that? Is it just each regatta that comes up, you just say, hey, who's got the most money? I'll come sail for you. Or, or is there more sort of emotion and loyalty and other factors that go into a decision like that? Yeah, look, for me, um, you know, the the what the offer to, to join Emirates Team New Zealand back in, in at the end of 2010, you know, the, the culture of, of New Zealand, uh, the respect that the team had and still has, and I think the way the team operates, um, you know, was something that, that really sort of hit a chord with me. And, um, yeah, I, I've always had massive respect for the team. And I think, you know, growing up over here in Australia, you know, everybody growing up in New Zealand, we're all, you know, culturally pretty similar. Um, you know, everyone works hard. Everyone loves their sport. Um, you know, there's lots of banter and, and, and fun and games. And for me, that opportunity to, uh, to, to be part of Emirates Team New Zealand was, was a very strong one and, and, a, and a great opportunity. And um, I, I decided to, to take that opportunity on with the team. And I, I think it's been something that not only suited myself as far as, you know, culturally and, and um, you know, understanding, but I think the team, the way the team was sort of structured and, and how into design, development and making absolutely every dollar you know, go in the right direction, you know, was very similar to how I grew up. So for me, it was a, it was a great fit and, and I got along with all the guys very well and, and still do. They're, they've become your second family. In many yeah. How'd the guys back at Oracle take it? <laughs> yeah, look, it's it's one of those ones, isn't it? You can't you can't be everywhere at once. And you know, I had a, a great opportunity with with them, and um, you know, still have some fantastic mates from that actual campaign. So, it's a, it's a close knit family. Um, sport is something that I think you know brings a lot of people together, and you know, we're very very fortunate to be able to do you know a sport um, and have a career that we we absolutely love. So you know, I've got absolutely no regrets, but um, you know, very very happy that, that I made the decision to uh, to join Emirates Team New Zealand for sure. Okay. So we are not going to, I'm talking to Glenn Ashby, by the way, about the 2017 America's Cup. We are not going to spend too long on the 2013 America's Cup, except to say that uh, it was a heartbreaking time for New Zealand as a country, um, and I'm sure heartbreaking for you guys as well. 
Um, what would you like to say about 2013? And this is one in San Francisco where we are up 8-1. And then what happened, Glenn? Yeah, look, I think, uh, you know, we, we probably don't need to go there too much, do we? We all know what happened. <laughs> what happened? No, look, at, yeah, look, at the end of the day, they... Oracle basically finally got their act together and actually started sailing their boat, you know, like it should have been sailed. And to be fair, they were actually sailing their boat very, very badly through that first part of the regatta. They had a fast boat. There was no question. And they worked really hard on their boat to, to get it up to speed. That first part of the regatta, they, they weren't sailing well. We'd been through the Challenger series. Um, we'd done quite a lot of training and quite a lot of, you know, development on our boat. And eventually they got to the point where they, you know, they were sailing their boat well and they were a little bit quicker than we were. So ultimately in the end, yep, we only needed one more race win, but we, we through various, you know, cancellations and races being, you know, um, shut down because we were a tiny bit over the wind limit or the time limit, mm. you know, luck just wasn't on our side. But what nah. it did do was pave the way for, you know, multi-hulls moving forward in the future and the America's Cup, you know, staying in catamarans and, you know, that sort of... Everything happens for a reason, I say, and, you know, it absolutely ripped your guts out and it still does to this day, you know, working through that program so hard and tirelessly with your fellow colleagues and and the the rest of the team and having the country behind you and not being able to come away, you know, with a victory was um, absolutely brutal. It still, still, you know, keeps you awake at night sometimes when you think back about it and you you, you sort of drag those skeletons out of the cupboard you think crikey's how did that actually happen but everything happens for a reason and um you know that reason was that we got to have an opportunity for redemption and and that was something very special i imagine it's just silence at the team base after that final race is it oh look it was everyone was just completely broken you know it's such a mental drain you know the regatta went on for a very very long time and you know that mental gymnastics that you do you know keeping the keeping the the rattle gun handy keeping the the wheel nuts done up tight on the campaign and then you get to the end of it and basically everyone just falls in a in a big heap it's um it's pretty brutal it's actually a, a really really you know disappointing scenario and you know there's a lot of people that took a long long time to to recover from that some people never have and i think it's um you know it's it's tough it's not an easy one to to deal with but yeah again that that's sport and and you can't win them all as a neutral it was a significant cup and that um these boats were foiling for the first time hey that would have been interesting for you as a an enthusiast of the multi-hull sport Look, it was, and, you know, the fact that we sort of pioneered um, behind closed doors, um, you know, the, the foiling side of things, you know, um, down at Lake Arapuni, uh, those memories of, you know, driving down there with your, with your mates and your colleagues, um, you know, to sort of quietly behind, you know, sort of closed doors, so to speak, develop um, the foiling side of things and then to, you know, launch the boat. Um, to get out and actually, um, you know, eventually have to show it because we needed to learn ourselves. But all those wonderful developmental um, side of things with, you know, with the physics of what we were doing, the structures and everything and dealing with the designers and the engineers and the whole team really bought into the fact that, you know, we were pushing hard and we had to set the bar high. And it was a wonderful period. It was looking back at some of those memories were some of the most special ones of your life, but um, obviously the result in the end didn't yeah. really reflect the um, effort that was that was put in. But um, certainly some special moments through that so campaign. So, did, sure. did you know 
straight away that you were going to come back in 2017 and, and try and win that thing? Or did you take a bit of convincing and a bit of sort of <laughs> emotional repair before you were willing to commit to that? <laughs> yeah, look, everybody, you know, had had some uh, had some plasters and some band aids that to pull off after that that campaign for sure. But for myself personally, we were so close to 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 being successful, and and there was so many fantastically good things out of that campaign that I felt was a you know was a, a great platform and a great foundation to to move forward with with uh, you know as a team so i was very much of the opinion that um i wanted to to stay on and and sort of you know continue to build on the strengths of the team um not only in a sailing perspective but but also a design and and sort of pushing boundaries perspective so i was very keen to to move forwards as a group and um yeah sort of stayed around with the team going forward right so tell me about that 2017 campaign. Did you go in feeling confident? Yeah, look, I mean, the lead into that 2017 campaign was a very, very tricky one. Um, you know, New Zealand was promised the the Challenger Series to, to be held in New Zealand. Um, the boat was supposed to be uh, an AC-62, which was a 62-foot catamaran. Um, a lot of things changed real early on in that in that campaign once the decision was made to sort of go ahead with you know the campaign by Emirates Team New Zealand. The boats changed from a 62 footer to a 50 footer, um, which was a full protocol change, um, and saw the, uh, the 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 exit of of Luna Rossa. Um, basically, the Challenger Series also um, got taken away from New Zealand as well. Um, thus, a lot of uh, you know commercial buy-in from sponsors um, and other people disappeared from the team. So, what a lot of people don't realise um, through that early part of 2014 and the first part of 2015 was that Emirates Team New Zealand uh, was very close to closing its doors. Um, we got down to about six employees um, out of 127 from the previous Sheesh. campaign, and it was pretty tough to, to make a decision to go forward. We, we were really struggling and um, and actually in debt, you know, from the previous campaign. So it was, you know, pretty brutal to make the decision to to throttle right back and that saw the exit, unfortunately, of a lot of our, um, a lot of my teammates and a lot of our boat building staff, uh, shore crew, designers, engineers, um, with the team simply didn't have the funds to, to move forward after those uh, changes occurred. So, to stay around um, with just a, a few of us and rebuild the team from literally you know, a small number of people to then go through um, and actually win that uh, win that bloody trophy at the end was was pretty incredible. Yeah. I think that was really a, a special um, a special thing with that 2017 campaign in Bermuda was that we were really on the back foot from day one, and um, you know it's it's a very special campaign for a lot of people for a lot of reasons and. Um, you know, I'm just very privileged to, to be part of a great group that sort of made it happen. And, um, you know, it'll long live as one of our uh, our best memories for sure. How did you get the role of skipper? Um, that's a, a great question. I think I was probably the only one left out of the sailing <laughs> team, so you probably get it by default, I guess. Hey? <laughs> um, look, it was... Uh, yeah, look, it was it was one of those ones, I guess. You know, my my involvement with the sort of uh, the team, um, you know, moving forwards, we were we were in a complete rebuilding phase. Um, not only through, as I said, shore crew, engineering, design, boat building, the whole team really, and and that included the sailing team. So, we 
very much knew that we needed to sort of up the bar in in many departments you know we had to to be you know better and stronger than we were in in san francisco we had to make some changes and that was across the board and in the end you know what we had was uh, uh, through circumstance was really a clean sheet of paper and that, that allowed us to rebuild the team from scratch basically and um you know we were fortunate to really have some some really great talented people um right across the board um be able to join the team um, you know, rebuild the team, make the team uh, into what it was. And, and that was very, very special, not only from a sailing perspective, but from an appetite for design and development and working together and, you know, leaving no stone unturned with the resource that we had. And I think mentally the toughness of the people involved in that team was, was exceptional. And I think, you know, everybody did the job of three or four people you know everyone mm. had three or four hats they had to put on and um it was extremely special we were a small team um but an extremely dedicated one that that had each other's backs through that campaign and really that strength um you know that was created and the the, the, the mental um toughness i think from you know there was obviously some team members there with experience from the loss in san francisco yeah. but there was also new people that were coming into the team that hadn't been tarnished with that so the appetite for, for risk and the appetite for development was there so it turned into a into a super team which was something that was really really awesome peter burling was new i think wasn't he and did you split that role with him yeah look so so pete came into the team um at the same time as as blair took um also andy maloney and and josh jr you know this is they were young guys they they just literally come out of being able to do the youth america's cup which was held in in san francisco they were early days on the 49er um training with uh, ian jensen and nathan outridge um who's with the team at the moment and um you know they were really at the sort of the infancy of their their olympic program and you know, bearing in mind this was, um, you know, it's been sort of 11 or 12 years ago since, um, you know, uh, San Francisco. These guys, you know, were coming through and it was quite clear that, um, you know, that from a, a talent identification perspective, you know, I've been keeping my eye on these guys for, for quite a few mm. years and, and actually had Pete, you know, come and stay um, on my sail loft table here in, in Melbourne, um, you know, back when he was about 17 doing the huh. Moth National Championships. Wow. and. This was in 2009, so I'd known Pete for quite a while. I'd seen what he'd been doing coming through. Same thing with Blair, sailing the tornado um, in, in Auckland in 2008. And remember Blair coming up to me and saying, you know, Glennie, how do you stop getting pulled through the pulled through the blocks? I haven't got the strength to hang onto the Jenica sheet. And this was a young kid who was, you know, punching well above his weight, like Pete was, um, Andy Maloney and also Josh Jr., very, very similar pathways. And, you know, for myself... Um, knowing that we had to sort of rebuild the team literally from scratch and knowing the type of boats that we were heading into with this AC50 program, we knew that we needed sort of high performance, um, very skillful sailors to be able to sail these new new boats. We weren't sailing the boats with 11 crew like we did with the AC72. It was uh, just, a, just a small group of six that could actually sail these boats. So, um, you know, seeing these guys come through, it was uh, the right fit for the team. And yeah, I believe great. that that decision was, uh, was a good one. Fair to say you didn't break much of a sweat in the Challengers Cup. You had to win that, of course, to, to take on Oracle. Um, but it seemed, from where I was sitting at home with a beer, uh, fairly easy. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we... 
from the outside. Poor, cho- poor choice of words, sorry, Glenn, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Look, absolutely, mate. I, I think one of, the, um, one of the things for us coming through that Challenger Series was that we were literally going day by day getting equipment across from New Zealand to Bermuda, literally lastminute.com. We were um, one of our uh, team members at one point actually uh, jumped on a plane with our rudder elevators in a wakeboard bag um, and got them across from New Zealand so we could use them the next mm. day. Um, they're pretending that there was a wakeboard inside the bag so we Gosh. could actually put them on. So there was things like that going on all the time. We were literally just getting equipment, um, you know, uh, right the way through the Challenger Series and making it through the Challenger Series, it, um, you know, it, it was actually quite tough. We had some, obviously, some uh, some ups and, ups and downs and to make it through was, was tricky. But um, ultimately, as we made it through and we made it through to the match, we knew that we were in with a, a chance of, of being successful because we knew we were still developing and we had the appetite for development and we had new equipment that we designed that was actually being built that we were going to be able to use. Basically, if we made it through to the match, we were going to get faster and um, that was that worked out really well. Yeah. Um, I haven't left much time for us to talk about the, the finals, but um, final score 7-1, were we just a faster boat? Yep, we were. Um, um, I think we were a faster boat. We were a, we were a more polished sailing team, um, and I think we were a more polished engineering design team, and we were globally a team that was prepared to uh, be you know, really, really risk uh privy we we pushed hard and you know we knew the risks we were right on the edge and we pushed design and development harder than our opponents and we learnt those lessons largely from san francisco i think we were led you know very very well um through all the departments i think um you know grant dalton did a, a pretty amazing job to 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 you know keep the wheels on that mm. campaign and actually allow it to move forward and i think um for all those involved i think it was probably one of the most special victories and, and wins of all our careers com- compared to where we sort of came from and where we started. So um, all, all the more yeah, special was, after was 2013? 100%. And, you know, myself personally being the only one on board the yacht, you know, coming from 2013, it was for me personally a, a super, super special one to, to have that redemption, um, particularly against, um, you know, my, my mate Jimmy. Um <laughs> And, um, you know, those guys were pretty happy with themselves all the way through that campaign. And, you know, while we were battling away back in Auckland without a boat and those guys are all whipping around over there, you know, yeah. with two boats and, you know, all the, all the funding in the world, you know, to, to turn the tide on those Fantastic. guys and to actually ultimately beat them was, was bloody epic, to be honest. It was awesome. Fantastic. Will you be there next year in October for Team New Zealand? Um, I will be there uh, behind... Uh, a microphone, I believe, uh, doing some commentary. To be honest, I am. Uh, I have actually hung up the boots from America's Cup sailing about uh, about fifteen months ago, and still very much have an association with uh, Emirates Team New Zealand. I'm still doing a couple of projects behind the scenes. One being uh, the one that we've just recently completed yeah, the, the land uh, speed record. Land speed record, and we're actually pushing ahead to uh, hopefully do a, a water speed sailing record um, about Great. 10 months after the next American Glenn Ashby, we'll leave it there. Some Thank you. Things. Thank you for the, um, the happy times you've given our country and really appreciate your time today.